Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I've entitled this message tonight, Grace and Peace, an Unresolved Conflict. Because as you read this this letter, and it's, 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 it's almost not like, even like a letter, is it? It's more like a postcard compared to Paul's other writings and his other letters to the, to the other uh, churches. Um, this is just a very short letter. If, if it was an email, it would be more like a text message, wouldn't it? It's just very, very short. But I think as we read through this and as we'll study this evening, we'll see really see the heart of Paul in this. This is the one letter where Paul really pours out his heart in this. Uh, he has great concern over this. It's a pers- personal letter. It's not a letter that was intended uh, from the writing to be shared necessarily with a whole church or a whole community, per se, uh, as we see with the other letters. In fact, you look at it and you kind of even wonder, how did it actually get in here? How did it actually make it? How did it make the cut to make it in the Bible? But there's such great lessons that we can learn from the book of Philemon. Now, studying for this, I found it interesting that uh, some people approach this from a theological standpoint. They, they approach it from a doctrinal standpoint. They get very deep into all the different things that, that, that Paul might be referring to you know, in this. Uh, obviously, with my level of intelligence, we're going to keep it pretty simple. Uh, we're not going to get into all that stuff. We're just going to look at it practically tonight. What what does uh, this little letter mean to us as Christians? What is Paul trying to get across to these two individuals? We we have an interesting cast of characters in this. Uh, if you like to highlight uh, in your Bible, you might highlight, of course, Paul and Timothy, who we're very familiar with. Philemon, uh, who the, this letter is named after, which is interesting because his name doesn't appear in Scripture anywhere else. This is the only place. It's like, how does this guy rate? You know, he, his name only appears in one place throughout the whole Bible, and he gets a book named after him. You know, it's it's just interesting to me. And then Aphia and Archippus, 
of course, Onesimus, one of the main characters. And then at the end of the at the end of the book, we see Papyrus and Mark and Aristarchus, Demas and Luke. All this cast of characters that come into play in this this short uh, little uh, letter that we're going to be looking at. So, uh, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Now, it starts off, this is not uh, unusual for, for Paul to start off a letter like this, although normally he's saying a bondservant of Christ or something like that in his letters, isn't he? And in this case, he says a prisoner of Christ. And that's really interesting because he's actually in chains... You know, he was arrested uh, by, uh, you know, Roman guards, and he's under Roman guard. So he's in chains, and he says, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So Paul didn't really think, really, to be a big deal to be uh, arrested, did he? To be imprisoned. Um, History would tell us that he was actually under house arrest. So um, how many of you have ever been under house arrest? Nobody's going to raise their hand. (laughs) I haven't either. <laughs> so Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Uh, so Paul's in chains. And he's in chains with a Roman guard 24-7. But he's under house arrest, so he's still able to move about. He can still go out to uh, you know, 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee or whatever he's going to do. He can still move about the city. And obviously, if Paul goes out, he's going to be sharing about Christ Jesus, isn't he? Because Paul shared about Christ Jesus wherever he went. And I submit to you that I think that they probably went through a lot of guards with Paul, you know, chained to him, because I would imagine they kept getting saved. (laughs) And it's like, well, what do they do then? You know, because the guard then is going to allow him to do lots of different things. So, I don't know. That's a Carlton Free translation for you there. But I really believe that he... he, uh, was sharing with everyone so that, uh, without a doubt, I believe some of these Roman guards uh, came to know the Lord. So then he says, To Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. So again, this is the first time we know anything about Philemon, but, but right away we get some insight into the character of Philemon, don't we? Because Paul refers to him as a beloved friend and fellow laborer. And then also to the beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. So here's these three main characters right up front. And most uh, scholars would agree that Aphia was Philemon's wife. Um, you don't really find anything biblically that supports that, obviously, except for this text. And Archippus, our fellow soldier, whom they believe was Philemon's son, and to the church in your house. Um, that kind of gives us some indication. It says, in the, the church in your house, and, and Paul has grouped all three of these people together, so it would kind of lend itself. It, just, it makes sense. Is it actually? We don't know. But um, we're going to move forward with that thought anyway. And then it says, and to the church in your house. So here we see a, a home fellowship going on, don't we? Uh, a koinonia fellowship. Uh, where people come together in somebody's home. And whether that is the actual church in Colossae, we, we don't really know, but it could very well be. Because we know at that time, they were meeting in, in homes. There, there really weren't church buildings per se. The only thing available for that would probably have been synagogues, which they certainly wouldn't be able to <laughs> have their services in. So uh, we have to look at this and just, okay, you know, here's this family, Philemon, Aphia, and Archippus. And it's their house, and uh, this church is meeting there. Now, to learn a little more about uh, Philemon, as we've already read through the letter, some things came out that we could probably uh, focus on. Um, Philemon was also, as we saw, a beloved friend, a fellow laborer. But because we see later in the text that this Onesimus, that was his slave, that ran away, then that would make Philemon a master, right? master and employer, that relationship with master and slave in the, the first century church was, it's kind of gray because obviously if the master of the house became a Christian, you would think that he would treat his slaves differently, that that relationship would change somewhat. We don't know, but uh, certainly we can see here that Paul would encourage that, Right. Now, Paul doesn't use this as an opportunity to try to abolish slavery, does he? He could have gone in that direction, 
very easily, but he didn't. He was dealing with with what was at hand here in this unresolved conflict between uh, Philemon and Onesimus. So Philemon, he was also, if we uh, look at that, a husband, a father, and with the, with the church meeting in his house, quite possibly a teacher, him or his son, um, one or the other. Uh, Afia was a beloved wife, a mother, a um, Hostess, I guess she, you know, was there as they opened up their home to these people to come in for church. Um, Archippus was a fellow soldier, as he's referred to, a son, a helper, and it's interesting if you look at Colossians four seventeen. If you flip over there, um, it says uh, Paul writing again and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. So Archippus had some role with this church and Paul encouraging him to take heed to the ministry. Um, we also should look at the time frame that this is written is just really interesting because um, you know dates get thrown out and you say oh well, this was written between 60 and 62 AD and I know where you are I'm kind of in the same place a lot of time dates get thrown around and you just kind of go, okay that went right on by I didn't you know no real significance you know, could have been 64 A.D. What, 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 what difference would it make? Well, in this case, it is significant because Paul also, while he was in change, while he was under arrest, wrote some other letters. And we're going to see that uh, he wrote also letters to the Ephesian church and to the Colossians, as well as this letter to Philemon, who quite possibly could have been the one who was overseeing the church at Colossae. So we've got these two letters going out to churches and this one personal letter that's going to be uh, going to Philemon. And who was delivering those letters? That's where it really gets interesting. Turn, turn back to Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 7. Colossians 4, verse 7. It says, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. And keep in mind, this is the letter that's going to the church in Colossae. Verse 8, I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With, who? Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Interesting, isn't it? That the very person that Paul is trying to work with, uh, Onesimus and Philemon, is the very person that, that is going to be delivering these letters. So, I think it would be safe to say that Onesimus himself would be delivering this letter to Philemon. So, there isn't the opportunity for Paul to, you know, pick up his cell phone, call Philemon and say, hey, send an Onesimus to you. You know, he's going to be coming. You know, don't be shocked when he walks up on the porch or anything like that. You know, but he's coming back. There was an opportunity for that. The news that Onesimus was coming home, coming back to Philemon, was in Onesimus's hand. So walking up the porch, <laughs> you know, opens the door, there's Onesimus. What, what would you say? <laughs> you know, read this. You know, it's from Paul. I don't, I don't know what took place, but it, it would be a very uh, uncomfortable situation, I think, for both of them. Because you have Philemon, who's probably, as we move a little further and get to learn a little more about the circumstances here, you know, short of just wanting to choke him. And Onesimus, who has come to the Lord and has humbled himself and in humility comes back and desires to uh, fulfill that which, which he was called to do, to, to work underneath uh, Philemon. So, we also see that this letter was written to the church in your house, this home church. So all of those attending this home fellowship, whenever it was that Onesimus took off, I tend to think that Philemon may have shared that. Hey, you know, this guy took off. I mean, I think it would be a natural thing to share with the brothers and sisters in Christ this situation that came up. So, so at least it could be prayed for in one way or another, right? So, um, 
So we have this cast of characters, all of these that we've seen. And so we go to verse 3, and it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul address, makes this address in 13 other letters. This was kind of a trademark uh, thing that, uh, that Paul uh, spoke about. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important to note that there is no peace without grace, is there? If we didn't have the grace of God, there would be no peace in our lives. So I think it's uh, interesting that Paul does start all of his letters off with that to kind of set the tone for what he's going to be writing. And especially in this letter, because grace and peace are going to have to be in operation for a successful end to this story, right? So, in verse 4 he says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Do do you have any friends that you can honestly say that about? That you make mention of them always in your prayers? I would hope so. I would hope that all of us have those that we're close enough to that we would always be remembering them in our prayers. But you think about Paul, and this would be true of so many people. You know, so you have to wonder, how much time did Paul spend in prayer? And I think a lot. So, verse 5, Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, as we read this, and we know how the story, we don't know exactly how the story ends, but we know how it ends at verse 25, right? And as we read this, you might have a tendency to think that uh, Paul is starting to butter up Philemon. Wouldn't you think so? I mean, it's like, I'm going to tell you all the good things that I know about you, Philemon, and, and uh, you know, your, uh, your love and faith which you have towards the saints. Uh, the sharing of your faith. Uh, uh, even in verse 7, For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. You know, you read that and it's like, this is almost a setup. It's not because we know the heart of Paul, but you read that and you just kind of think, you know, if somebody was to say all these things to me, I, I'm all ears at that point. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, well, whatever I can do for you because... Obviously, you think, you think very highly of me, you know, to have said all these things. I haven't actually had anybody say all these things about me, but you're welcome to, if you know, if you'd like. <laughs> so, we see all this acknowledgement that Paul has for uh, Philemon, and that just setting the stage for all the things that he's heard uh, about Philemon, and how things are going with this body of believers in Colossae, and just Paul being encouraged by the fact that, that you know, things are going well. And as we see later on in the text, uh, Paul was, uh, was the one that God used to lead Philemon to the Lord. And so he does have a very close uh, bond with him and is very interested in how things are going and, and loves to hear of this good report that he, he gets from the people. And so after having said all these things... Um, Paul is going to get to the, to the heart of the whole issue with uh, this situation with Onesimus. Now, um, Paul says in verse 10, I, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I, I have begotten while in my chains. So we see that Paul leads Onesimus to the Lord as well. So you've got these two individuals that Paul knows and loves dearly. He's led them to the Lord. And you wonder... How did this whole thing come about? How did Onesimus run across the path of the Apostle Paul? Uh, we don't really know. But if you were a runaway slave and you wanted to just kind of hide out and not be found, Rome was probably a pretty good place to go. Uh, population was over a million at that time. And it would be fairly easy to get just lost in the crowd, wouldn't it? So you have... Onesimus, who's hiding out, running around Rome, just trying to make a way for himself. And all of a sudden, he runs into Paul. 
So several things could come into play. I, I don't think it was one of those things where he just bumped into him. Um, by the chronological order that we see in a lot of the letters that were written, there was a time when Paul was quite possibly in Colossae. And if he was and shared the Lord with Philemon, uh, there is a good chance that Onesimus was living there at the time, was still a slave at that time. So maybe Onesimus already knew Paul. I don't know. Maybe he recognized him. Or maybe he was just walking through the streets one day and saw this short, hook-nosed, watery-eyed guy in chains standing up on a box <laughs> sharing about Jesus Christ. And he was touched by what the, what the guy had to say. You know, here's a guy that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in chains. Maybe I ought to listen to this guy. You know, that could be too. Or it could be, as a runaway slave and probably not having a whole lot of money other than what he may have stolen from Philemon before he left, it could be that Onesimus was arrested for something. It could be that he was in jail or under house arrest with uh, Paul. could be any of those scenarios uh, could be possible. It really doesn't matter because God, by His sovereign grace and His design, led Onesimus to Paul, didn't He? So that... Paul could share the gospel with Onesimus and then send him back home. I mean, we see that that's what's taking place. How God orchestrated all that, I don't know. You know I, it amazes me sometimes when you start hearing testimonies from people how God worked in their lives to take them to a certain place to do this, to do that. Uh, Chris and I's own testimony uh, when Jeff determined he was going to come to Greeley and start the church. I was working in uh, Portland, Oregon at the time on a construction site and uh, talking to Chris on a Sunday evening, she told me that, hey, Jeff announced this morning that he's going to Greeley to start a Calvary Chapel. And I told Chris at the time, man, that just sounds so cool. I'd, wouldn't it be great just to go up there? You know, and so well, I, I don't know what Chris said, but <laughs> probably at the time she was like, whatever, you know, I don't know. But uh I just remember that because I thought, well, oh, that's just really, that's great. You know, Jeff's going up there and, of course, knew that uh, his brother lived here at the time, too. But uh, And so, left that construction job, moved back to Colorado Springs, was there for about a year, uh, and not happy with the job that I was in, just seeking out some other things and found out a, a particular job was open at uh, Hewlett-Packard in Fort Collins. And so, we drove up and... Uh, I can remember the Sunday we were here and Jeff come up to me after the service. We were just visiting and, and he said, what are you doing here? <laughs> because I guess the thought was, you don't just go to Greeley for no reason. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know. Well, there was a reason. God was orchestrating the whole thing because Jeff was in need of a worship leader and I, I was a worship leader and uh, I needed a job and there was one in Fort Collins. God just worked it all out. But you hear those stories and you're encouraged by them in your faith because you just go, well, it had to be God. There's no other reasonable explanation for it than it's just God working in somebody's life, right? And so we've all heard those stories. We may be one of those stories. But um, so we see in verse 10 again, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. So Paul, at some point in time, was able to share the gospel with Onesimus. We don't know how much time passed. We don't know if it was a year, two years. We, we don't have any indication of what that was. But I have a feeling that it was over time because, uh, you know, even though Paul shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with Onesimus and he gave his life to the Lord, it's going to take some time for him to grow and to understand the ways of God and to understand that this situation that he left, it was wrong for him to do that. And he needed to bring that to closure. There needed to be restoration from, uh, from Philemon to Onesimus. And I'm sure they talked about it a lot. And I'm sure uh, as we are uh, the way we are, <laughs> initially it would be kind of like, I don't think so, Paul. You know, I don't think that would be a good idea for me to go back because he would probably just kill me. He's, I was a slave. And by law at that time... Uh, runaway slaves could be put to death if that's what the master so uh, desired. Um, yeah, he could accept him back too. 
But there's some bad blood going on here because not only did he run away, but we, we see later on here that he obviously took some things that didn't belong to him when he left. Money, whatever. We don't, we don't know exactly what it was either. But, uh, but there's just some, some bad blood here. And I believe, even though we know Philemon is a uh, beloved friend and fellow laborer of Paul, and Philemon is uh, mature in his walk with the Lord, I think we could safely assume that. I still believe that there's, there's an issue here. Uh, because I don't think Paul would have gone through what he did through these first eight or nine verses in encouraging Philemon and how he's grown and in his maturity in the faith. I don't think that would have taken place if Paul just thought, well, this is a no-brainer. You're just going to go back and, and Philemon, you know, he'll just run out, hug you, and you know everything will be great. I don't think that was the case. I think there was an unresolved conflict on both sides on this. So... Uh, so Onesimus has come to the Lord. Uh, verse 11, Onesimus, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Well, why would he have been unprofitable? Well, he's a runaway slave. He's not profitable to it at all anymore. But you know how these things go. It's like, how many of you are actually employers here that you have people that work underneath you? No one. Great. <laughs> this analogy is going nowhere. <laughs> no, if, if you have employees, there are employees that obviously over time, uh, they kind of lose interest in their work. Uh, they come, become slack in their work. There's just no real desire to even work for you or for that company anymore. And that happens over time, doesn't it? It's not just one day they come in and, oh, I've had it, I'm just not going to work for this person anymore. It happens over time. So I believe that yeah, he was a runaway slave, and yes, he took money or something from Philemon, but I believe there's a little history here that he has been a, uh, a servant or a slave that hasn't been working well for some time. I think that there's some... Uh, because we know uh, at that time there was the opportunity to become a bondservant, wasn't there? There was that opportunity for a slave after, after six years to decide to stay with the master or be freed. And so, I don't know if he was starting to approach that seven-year period and he just didn't want to wait any longer or just just what was taking place. We don't know. But uh, he was not happy where he was for whatever reason. Onesimus wasn't. So, we have to understand that as a runaway slave and if he hadn't been doing his job the way that he should have been doing for some time, that there's just a long history here with these two. And so, uh, hopefully we'll get more insight into that as we go. But um, he says, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you. And it's interesting because uh, the name Onesimus means uh, profitable, of value. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, well, that's interesting. And I always wonder when I hear that, you know, when you, you hear the meanings of these words, uh, was that the original meaning of the word, or did they say Onesimus was now meaning profitable just because of what we read here? I don't know, and I can't wrap my brain around that one, but at least for the purpose of this uh, study, we're going to say Paul is saying he's profitable, unprofitable. I think it adds to the color of this story because uh, here's a guy that name, his name was profitable, and he was unprofitable, but now he's going to be profitable, if you follow all that. But he's profitable to you and to me now. So as he has come to the Lord, he's now a servant of the Lord. He is a helper to, to Paul. Uh, Paul appreciates Onesimus very much. Because he says in verse 12, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. So Paul really didn't even want to send him back, did he? He was a helper to him, and he was a valued helper. And Paul wanted him to continue to serve with him. However, unresolved conflict. There's this thing going on, and Paul knows that it needs to be taken care of. So I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. 
I wish to keep with me that on your behalf you might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. So, by the way, Paul would be saying to Philemon, I see Onesimus is very useful. You have a certain picture of Onesimus because of your history. But Onesimus has changed. And I see him as very valuable to the work in the Lord. However, he is still your slave. He is still a runaway slave. He is still someone that needs to have this conflict the two of you have resolved one way or the other. So I, Paul, cannot just keep him. I can't write you a letter and say, Hey, Philemon, you know that runaway slave you had? I came across him the other day and he came to the Lord and you probably don't want him back anyway, so I think I'll just keep him. And No, but that wasn't Paul's heart, was it? Paul wanted to see this situation between the two of them resolved one way or the other. So in verse 14, that's what he says, But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Um, He departed for a while for the purpose of him coming to know the Lord that he might come back and be very useful to you. But it kind of makes you wonder too, did Philemon ever share the gospel of Jesus Christ with Onesimus? Did he? It just didn't take. Did he? Onesimus didn't want to have anything to do with it. Or was it while he's in Rome and he's destitute and he comes across Paul and sees sees Paul? Now here on one hand is a guy that's his master, probably very wealthy. He had a house big enough to have church in. He also had slaves. Only the wealthy, wealthy people had slaves and servants. And so you have this guy who's wealthy sharing the gospel with you. And you have this guy over here that's preaching the same gospel and he's in chains. He's in prison. He's in jail. And you think about the impact of those two different things. In Onesimus' case, where he's a runaway slave, he's basically a fugitive, isn't he? And he knows at any point in time he could be arrested if he wasn't already in in jail or in chains. So... uh, Paul just laying it out that, Philemon, what you want to keep in mind is that regardless of what has taken place, I see God's hand in this. I see God leading Onesimus to me. And can you imagine that conversation when they first sat down to talk? You know, Paul may have shared the gospel with Onesimus before he even knew the history. You know, and then one night they're just sitting around, you know, in their chains and talking and you know, where do you come from anyway? Well, I lived in Colossae. Oh, really? Yeah, we, there's a there's a church in Colossae, and in fact, it's it's in a house of a very good friend of mine. You know, uh, you you might even know him. I don't know. Have you have you ever heard of Philemon? <laughs> Onesimus. Well, yeah, actually, I have. You remember that whole runaway slave thing I shared with you? <laughs> It was from him. And Paul's like, oh, oh, I see. Immediately, I believe Paul would see God's hand working in that situation. Without a doubt. It's like, this is great. This is great. Look how this is working. And I, Again, this is Carlton Free Translation, but I really believe that at this point, those other two letters were already written. And now, he gets to write this one to Philemon. Just given this uh, bit of information that he received. So, verse 15 again, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. I think this points out a very important thing about Bible study here. And many times we can, we can sit down with a book and we can start to read part of it. And you just read some of it, and you don't get the full picture, do you? Because up until this point, you would not even have known that Onesimus was a slave, would you? It, it isn't until here till it's mentioned. And 
So it gives us insight into everything else that's happened before that. But no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Beloved. We see that in the first two or three verses where he refers to Philemon as a beloved friend. And his wife, Aphia, is beloved. And so we see here that, that Paul sees Onesimus and cares for him as much as anybody else he's mentioned, doesn't he? So, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Both in the flesh and in the Lord. Uh, in the flesh, we would probably look at that as, well, actually he was a slave. He was a worker for uh, Philemon. So in the flesh, he would still be valuable to him as that, as an employee, as a servant, as a slave. But uh, also in the Lord, the relationship is going to have to move to a whole different level, isn't it? Because Onesimus left as what? As, as a slave, right? But now he's coming back as a saint. <laughs> he's coming back as one of the Lord's. Whole different relationship. Uh, he left as a slave. He's coming back as a brother now, a brother in the Lord. And uh, so this relationship between the two of them, he's now a beloved brother in the Lord. And so Paul is going to be challenging Philemon to see him in that way. So, uh, in verse 17, If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Philemon, if you see me as a brother in the Lord. Paul, knowing Philemon and only uh, having been able to spend a short amount of time with him probably, but Philemon would be so excited if Paul was able to come to him, wouldn't he? Uh, aside from the fact that if he was able to come, he was no longer in chains, which is, is huge. But just the fact that Paul, the man who was instrumental in leading him to the Lord, to, just for him to come and visit. And Paul was just obviously very well known throughout the church. So to have him come to your home would just be... It would be like uh, if I got a call that Chuck Smith was coming. You know, he's going to come to my house. Um, that would be great, you know. I'd love to have him. Uh, without a doubt. It, it would be the same uh, level of, of, of respect uh, for Paul that we would, we would see here. So, um, in that, Paul encouraging Philemon... Treat him just as you would me. So whatever it is that you would do because I'm a special guest, do the same thing for Onesimus. Um, I'm sure that Paul would uh, put the uh, that uh, Philemon would put the word out. Paul's coming. Uh, everybody, come over. Uh, we're going to have a a church picnic. <laughs> you know, we're going to barbecue something. And we're going to have him, have him come, and we're, we're all going to be so excited to hear from him and the work that the Lord's doing in other parts of the country and in Rome. And now, think about Philemon when you're when you're reading this. How would Philemon respond to this? I mean, treat him as you would me if I was coming to see you. And I, I would think the natural tendency. Are you crazy? I mean, this is a runaway slave, and and now he's coming back. And you're asking me to accept him and receive him as I would you, Paul. In verse 18, but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Because I'm sure in this time that uh, Philemon is trying to cycle through in his mind what Paul's actually asking him to do, it probably ran through his mind, was well, not enough. He ran away, but he stole from me as well. And Paul uh, precludes that one right away, doesn't he? If he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. And in this, this is where uh, a lot of teachers would start to get really deep into the text. <laughs> Which you know I'm probably not going to go there, right? But 
you look at this, and what did Christ do for us? The same thing, didn't He? Wrongdoer owes anything, put that on the count. All the sins that, that we've uh, had in our lives, not just individually, but all of us here, all of us everywhere, all of that sin, Christ paying the price for that. And Paul and his relationship with the Lord, I don't think this was just... We know this, all scriptures are inspired by God, right? And so, by saying this, this statement, if I was Philemon as a believer and I read this, I would have to make that same connection, wouldn't I? I wait a minute, that's, that's what Christ did for, for me. And so, I just see in the text here, between verse 18 and 19... I see a softening of the heart because the things that Paul is starting to say now would have to be hitting uh, Philemon pretty hard. Uh, Look, look what Christ has forgiven us, Philemon. And you remember that, Philemon, I led you to the Lord and I've led Onesimus to the Lord and now you're brothers in the Lord. And so every anything that that Onesimus could have done, any sin that he would have committed, including those sins against you, Philemon, they should be forgiven of him, just like Christ has forgiven all of ours. So then Paul goes on to write in verse 19, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. And I thought that was kind of interesting too. Why would Paul say that? Well, several things there. Again, it's a personal letter. I believe a lot of the other letters uh, were probably God-inspired, Paul-recited, and someone else writing them. Um, you know how that would be. I mean, there's some, probably some of us here that can type really fast and some of us that can't. Uh, nothing against those of you that can't, but, you know, get some schooling or something, you know, so you can type faster. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so that job would be given to someone else. And a lot of these fellow servants, you know, would, would write. As far as we know, Onesimus may have very well been one of those people. In his helping Paul, he may have been one that was pinning Ephesians or Colossians. We, we don't know. I, I, mean, I don't think it's a stretch to, to maybe think that that's a possibility. But Paul's saying, I'm writing with my own hand. I will repay. Period. I will take care of it, uh, Philemon, if, if there's a debt here that you think needs to be paid. But... As you read through Scripture, there's sometimes you come across Scripture that is comical. And I think this is one, this next one. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Well, he just said not to mention, but then he mentions it, doesn't he? (laughs) You know, I'm making a point here, Philemon. Do I even have to mention that, by the way, (laughs) you owe me your own life besides? There's where we find out in our text that Paul was the one that led Philemon to the Lord. And then he says, Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. If you take verse 20 and you go back to verse 7, what does verse 7 say? For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Philemon, you're in the business of seeking the Lord and refreshing the hearts of the saints, of the brethren. Now, in verse 20, Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Whatever it is that you've been teaching these people, Philemon, and the way that you've been encouraging them in their walk and teaching them in the, of the love of the Lord, now I'd like for you to refresh my heart in the same way. By doing what is right. Verse 21, having confidence in your obedience. I find that kind of humorous as well. I mean, think about that line. I've got confidence in your obedience. Oh, great. I, I now I don't have any choice. Uh, look at what Paul's saying here. I, I just don't, you, Paul, you just, oh man, you're beating up on me here. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. So whatever it is I'm asking you to do, Philemon, I'm confident you're going to be obedient and you're going to do even more than I say. 
immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. (laughs) Then after having said all that, Paul having confidence and knowing that he believes his brother, Philemon, is going to do the right thing, he says, but, meanwhile, hey, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. (laughs) All this stuff that I'm saying to you, Philemon, oh, by the way, I could be coming before long. (laughs) I may just drop in, you know. I will get to see firsthand what you have Onesimus doing now, you know. Meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. I, I truly believe Paul's heart was, he, he really desired to go there. I truly believe that he missed the fellowship that he has with, with uh, Philemon and his family and that church that has started there. I, we know that to be true because that's the way Paul felt about every place he went. He loved to go and see how they were doing in the Lord. Since he couldn't, he wrote letters to encourage them. And, you know, looking at this tonight, we can see that through this letter and this unresolved conflict between Onesimus and Paul and, and Philemon, Paul wants to see that taken care of, doesn't he? And, you know, I read it and I, I have confidence that that's exactly what happened. But, but we don't know, do we? There's nothing in Scripture that tells us how this went, how the story ends. We all want the happy ending that that I picture it as Onesimus walks up on the porch, knocks on the door, Philemon's shocked. He hands him the letter. He starts reading. And I believe by the time he gets down to verse 21 or 22, Philemon may even be weeping because of two principles at work here. And Paul mentions them back in verse 3. Grace and peace. Onesimus was not going to have peace till he went and took care of this unresolved conflict with uh, Philemon, was he? And the only way this unresolved conflict was going to take care of itself from Philemon was by him showing Onesimus grace, right? It's just a beautiful story of, of relationship between two people. And then verse 23, 24, and 25, uh, as he ends the letter, he, he just is basically saying those that are around me and, and supporting me in the ministry and helping me, serving, uh, all of these people uh, greet you as well. And that's almost like an exclamation point on it because if they're greeting him as well, then Paul has probably told them, hey, I'm going to write this letter to Philemon. <laughs> so there's an accountability thing going on here as well, isn't there? It's like It's like... Hey, you know all these guys? <laughs> well, they too. And I, I urge you, we don't have time to look at them tonight. Go back and look up some of these names and see. You know, one of them in there is John Mark. And we knew what took place there, right? John Mark was traveling with uh, Paul and Barnabas. And there was this dissension that took place because John Mark had left in the middle of one of their missionary journeys. And uh, so Paul didn't want him going anymore. But we see in Second Timothy where Paul actually asked Send John Mark because he is helpful to me. And I think that's significant because I would think that that would be known. That there was just no small dissension among those two guys. And here's what took place. And then all of a sudden, uh, Paul sees John Mark as someone very useful. As Philemon could see Onesimus as someone very useful. Paul almost saying, you know what? I made a mistake too with John Mark. But he is useful to me. I can see that now. So, uh, as we uh, finish tonight and close, you know, I think this letter is, a, is just a challenge to each and every one of us. Because I think in, in this group of people, uh, there could be an unresolved conflict in your life. And so, this letter even though written to Philemon, personal letter that we look at and wonder how, how is it that it was even contained in, in Scripture for this very purpose. And that each and every one of us could be in a situation uh, in the past or now where we have an unresolved conflict with someone where we either need to show them grace 
or we are not at peace with the situation and need to go them and take care of it. And so uh, I believe God would have us look at this letter and be encouraged by the lesson that He would have us learn from that and that each one of us could search our hearts and see if that's something that's, that's there, if there's an unresolved conflict in our hearts. And just encouraging us to try and take care of it. Uh, you know, in this day and age, uh, there are so many ways. Back then, about all they could do was write a letter or travel to that person. We've got phone. We've got email. We can, we can write letters as well. But there's many different ways that we could contact a person if, if that's going on in their lives. And we're not going to have true peace uh, unless we have uh, resolved that, that situation. So let's pray. Let's close. Father, we just thank you so much for the grace and peace that, that Lord, that we know that we have through you your, and your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, it would be the desire of our hearts, Lord, to learn from this simple little letter, uh, Lord, how we are to uh, handle uh, certain situations as Christians. Lord, whether it be uh, showing grace to someone, uh, Lord, as, as you've shown us grace. Uh, Lord, whether it would be going to extend peace to someone, uh, Lord, that maybe we've wronged in the past. Father, whatever that might be, we pray that you would impress those things upon our hearts. That, Lord, we would uh, be about being obedient to you. And, Lord, desiring and having a heart for you. And, Lord, just desiring to uh, Father, act in obedience in the things that you would impress upon our hearts. So, Father, I just I pray for all of us here this evening, Lord, that uh, if, if this might be going on with us in, in, in any one of us, Lord, that you would reveal that to us. That, Lord, your Holy Spirit would be working in us to resolve the situation. Lord, so that we could be a witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ, whether whether the one offering up grace or, Lord, just seeking peace. So, Father, we ask that as we leave this place this evening, Lord, that we leave encouraged by the word that you have uh, given to us. Uh, Lord, we're so thankful that you saw it uh, fit to include this letter in the Holy Scriptures. And, Lord, we thank you for it, the words that, that you've given us We're encouraged by it, Lord. We desire just to serve you. So, Father, bless us now as we go our way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.